Welcome to Canada's National Bible Hour. This is Brian Albrecht, your host and president of Mission Go. Today our scripture is taken from Matthew chapter 7, verses 7 and 8, which say, Ask, and it shall be given to you. Seek, and ye shall find. Knock, and it shall be opened unto you. For every one who asketh receiveth, and he who seeketh findeth. And to him that knocketh, it shall be opened. What a wonderful verse that talks about prayer, the fact that we can ask God for our requests. We can also worship Him and praise Him and thank Him for all His blessings and benefits. And the wonderful thing about this is that He actually listens to our prayers and answers them. And so what a great privilege we have as Christians. And I believe throughout 2015, one of the greatest things that we can do is pray more and more for, for ourselves and for our family, for our friends, and for the world situation as things become more chaotic. Just remember that God is still in control and He oversees the affairs of men. And as we pray, He not only hears but answers our prayers. What a great blessing we have. This is the radio edition of Global Times. Today we have in our studio Mano Paul, who's a missionary from India, and uh, he's been with our ministry for many, many years. For about eight or nine years, he was in Belize, and Mano had a wonderful uh, medical ministry there, he and his wife, Shoba. But also they had a, a wonderful ministry as they, they traveled from place to place as itinerant evangelists and Bible teachers. And today I'd like to ask Mano 
about those uh, opportunities. Mano, why don't you tell us, uh, first of all, about uh, the opportunities that you've had to go to the Mayan Indians and to minister to them spiritually. Thank you, Brian. Belize is a small country, but there are different ethnic groups, especially the natives. There are basically three main ethnic groups, the Mayans, the Yucatans, and also the Kichi. So I had the privilege of going and ministering in two different uh, uh, these ethnic churches. One is entirely Mayan and the other is a mixture of uh, both Mayan and Kechi people. Uh, I used to go a Saturday morning to this uh, Mayan church in a place called Red Bank. It's almost like an outreach uh, for our church in Independence where we used to live. And God has given me the privilege of uh, preaching and teaching the word of God to those Mayan people. And there is one more village, Baya Vista, where there are a lot of both Kechis and the Mayans. I used to preach in English and it was being translated into Spanish language by those Kechi people because that was common for them. In this place also, especially in a family, there were three brothers, they were fighting and they were not on talking terms. And God has really helped me somehow that these three brothers, the fellow who came to throw the stones at us, he just stood outside after listening to the word of God he came weeping and he reconciled with his brothers. I really praise the Lord for this incident that happened. And I used to go every Wednesday to this place. And also there is one more village. This is entirely Spanish-speaking people from Honduras, from Guatemala. They come to this village to work in those banana farms. I used to go every Thursday evening to a very big church. At least 200 people used to worship in this church and the Spanish-speaking pastor was so fond of me and every Thursday I used to go and I used to preach there. Though I was in Belize, we had, God has really opened many doors for us to preach the word, share the experiences, what the Lord has, was teaching us with different brothers. And you were doing this all the while while you are doing um, medical clinics uh, through the daytime. So you kept yourself very, very busy while you were down there. Yeah, actually every, I mean, it was church for us every evening. So Monday to Sunday, every evening I used to be in some church or other and I really enjoyed. And most of these villages are just around 20 kilometers from Independence. So uh, in the evening it was easy for me to go and spend some time with them and come back. Sometimes Pastor Pish used to accompany me and sometimes I used to take either Leon or Charles with me. It was wonderful time going with these brothers and spending time with other brothers. Yes, you had a wonderful ministry there. It's just really uh, nice to hear hear how the Lord had led you down there. Now you're uh, back in India. Could you tell us about the ministry that you have uh, since you returned back to India? In fact, there was no need for us to go back to India, but somehow we wanted to go back because things were becoming more rough in India. And we thought it is better for us to really be with our own folks as they are going through difficulties. You must have heard about many un unfortunate incidents that have happening in India. So we went back. Basically, we went back to India to work among the medical students, young medical graduates in India to help them to really live for the Lord and also give them a challenge for the missions in India and even in the surrounding countries. So that's the reason why we went to India and we work among uh, the medical students. We have 50 medical schools in our state and we go to different medical schools. We teach them the word. We teach them what the Lord has taught us and help them to live for the Lord and also give them a challenge so that they can go to any mission hospitals. Most of the mission hospitals in India which were started 50 years back, 100 years back, are almost on the verge of closure. Many are already closed down and we really want these 
Indian medical graduates take the challenge and be there. So you're trying to revive Christians to do medical and, and through the medical they're able to share their faith and then also to try to disciple people sort of like what you and Shobha have done most of your lives. Exactly. Because a physician is always a welcome guest in any culture, any community. So we thought Christian doctors are the best evangelists if they really want to be. So that's what we want to tell our friends. Yeah, we found that to be true too. We found that, that medicine always opens doors for the gospel. If you go and help people physically, then they're open to listen to you spiritually. And we've seen so many people come to Christ. And we've seen so many churches around the world started because of medical ministries, because people come to Christ, you gather them together, and then uh, you have a, a church. And, and God's able to disciple the people, and they're able to grow in grace and the knowledge of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Very, very wonderful to have you in our, our studio, Mano. We thank you so much for your commitment to the Lord. We thank you for your godly character. We thank you for the way the Lord has guided and directed you over the years. And we thank you so much for the open doors that you have and the way that you're so willing to to share the gospel and to help others to, to grow in their faith and to be uh, mighty warriors for the Lord. May the Lord bless you. Thank you, Brian. Thank you so much for listening to Canada's National Bible Hour and for your prayers and your financial support. This is a listener-supported ministry without your help. We cannot continue to be on the air. You may know, this is the oldest Christian broadcast in North America. It was started back in 1927 and we depend upon the Lord and your gifts. We continue because of your prayer and support. This month we are offering a great booklet titled, When Is It Right to Die? It really has end-of-life questions that are very very important for all of us to think about, trying to determine for ourselves. My wife and I have made living wills and we talked about these issues and of course, it's really important for us, such questions as, to support if you have healthcare directives so that your wishes are carried out in your life. This booklet will really help you make those decisions. One of the topics it covers is called enlightenment. That is, it talks about mercy killing, in the Bible about the end-of-life challenges and how to try to help overcome them. It also discusses the inexpressible value, of your soul how important it is. The author quotes, Matthew chapter 16 verses 25 and 26 would say, What good will it be for a man if he gains the whole world, yet forfeits his soul a working man given exchange for his soul? Basically, Jesus is saying that a single soul is worth more than all the wealth, and all the world and so it must be treated with the highest respect. So I'm sure that you will benefit from reading this booklet and your loved ones will benefit. You can get your copy by writing to Mission Go, at Box 1210 Street Catharines, Ontario, L2R7A7 or the United States of Box 2010 Buffalo, New York, 14231. And please don't forget to pray for this broadcast each day. Thank you so much. Oh, this full and perfect peace.
Today's message is from Dr. Fred Hartman, and our printed copies are available upon request. During our previous four messages, we've been trying to show you that events that are happening today point to the position that the end times could be very near. We've looked at the massive return of the Jewish people to their homeland, the formation of the state of Israel in one day, and other events that are taking place in that nation to show that the prophetic pieces of the jigsaw puzzle are coming to pass before our eyes. Today, we want to look at the natural resources Israel has. These resources are those of these resources are those other nations will soon need and will be willing to shed blood to get them. To explain what I mean, it is only necessary to look at Ezekiel chapters 38 and 39. For many, these are fairly familiar chapters, but I would like to explain them from a little different viewpoint. I'm not as interested in doing an exegesis of all the verses, but my desire is to show that the resources Israel has are enough to cause nations to go to war against it. In these two chapters, we learn of a coalition of military forces that will invade the nation of Israel. The nations involved will be Turkey, Iran, Libya, Ethiopia, and it appears to be Russia. They are said to come against Israel as a cloud or a massive body of troops. The first question we should ask ourselves is when will this invasion of Israel take place? We find the answer in chapter 38, verses 8, 11, and 16. After many days you will be visited. In the latter years you will come into the land of those brought back from the sword and gathered from many people on the mountains of Israel, which had long been desolate. They were brought out of the nations, and now all of them dwell safely. You will say, I will go up against the land of unwalled villages. I will go to a peaceful people who dwell safely, all of them dwelling without walls and having neither bars nor gates. You will come against my people Israel like a cloud to cover the land. It will be in the latter days that I will bring you against my land so that the nations may know me when I am hallowed in you, O Gog, before their eyes. Now let's take a look at what these verses are showing us. First, this battle will take place after the Jewish people return from where they have been scattered. Next, they will be dwelling in peace and safety. That is certainly not the case at the present time. The only time they will have peace and safety is when they will be living under a false covenant of peace during the time the Antichrist makes his covenant of peace with them during the tribulation period. The next thing we should take note of is why this coalition of military might will invade Israel. The answer is found in verses 12 and 13. To take a plunder and take booty, to stretch out your hand against the waste places that are again inhabited and against the people gathered from the nations who have acquired livestock and goods and dwell in the midst of the land, Sheba, Dedan, and the merchants of Tarshish, and all their young lions will say to you, Have you come to take plunder? 
Have you gathered your army to take booty, to carry away silver and gold, to take away livestock and goods, to take away plunder? From these verses, it becomes very clear that there is something that Israel has that other nations would be willing to sacrifice of their lives, of the lives of their young men to get. What could that possibly be? There are several commodities Israel has now that could cause this to happen. The first thing Israel has is location. It's interesting to note how God sent Abraham from the Ur of the Chaldees to, of all places, Mount Moriah, which is where Jerusalem is today. Have you ever considered the little state of Israel, even though you could put 40 of them in the state of California, is the gateway to the world. If you go north and west out of Israel, you're in Europe. If you go east, you go to India and China. If you go south, it's the gateway to Africa. Though Israel is very small, in the ancient world, it was located in a very key position in the world. Another key resource Israel has is natural gas and oil. When I was a young man, an entrepreneur spent a fortune drilling for oil in the Negev of the desert area in southern Israel, but found very little. Recently, they have discovered oil on the Golan Heights. However, Israel has also discovered one of the richest and largest oil and natural gas reserves in their territorial waters of the eastern Mediterranean Sea. This could very well be the hook in the jaw that would cause these nations to come against Israel. Recently, President Vladimir Putin contacted Israel's Prime Minister Benjamin Netanyahu and made an offer he believed he, that couldn't be refused. Putin offered to guarantee the safety of Israel's newly discovered Leviathan gas fields using the full might of the Russian military. Netanyahu politely declined. This gives you a little idea of how valuable these are. Guess what has happened now? There are disputes arising about who has the rights to the natural gas field in the Mediterranean Sea. There are also disputes over who, owned the Golan, who owns the Golan Heights as well. Other nations want these resources and could very well be willing to make the sacrifice to get them. Could this be the spark that would lead to the battle of Ezekiel 38 and 9? We could be lots closer to the battle than we might think. Another resource that Israel has is water. Water is the lifeline of civilization. Now, where, water is, in, where is water in short supply? It's in the Middle East. When the Jewish people came back into the land, they not only drained the swamps and removed the water that brought disease, but they devised ways to make the most of the water that was available. One thing they have done is to plant millions and millions of trees. These forests have helped to bring more moisture and water into the area. They have devised a great system of complex, massive pipes open canals, tunnels, and giant reservoirs, and great pumping systems that make water accessible to all. As for irrigation, they've learned how to use a drip process that saves millions of gallons of water each year. 
they have also learned how to desalinate water and use it for drinking water. The last time I was in a lot on the Red Sea, I learned that all the water was desalinated. A glass of water and a meal in a hotel, though, costs as much as a glass of soda with no refills. That's another way to conserve water. With the water source in Jordan, Syria, Turkey, and Egypt, this could be another commodity to Israel, that Israel has that could bring about conflict. One of Israel's greatest and most valuable resources is in her minerals. Those minerals are found in the Dead Sea. Whoever thought that the Dead Sea could be such a valuable piece of real estate? First of all, the Dead Sea is composed of 34% minerals, while other bodies only contain 3 to 4% of mineral properties. Because of this, the minerals there are known to do wonders for many skin problems. In ancient days, even Cleopatra made the Dead Sea her private spa. Today, many millions of visitors come to see the very different landscape and to bask in the waters to seek healing for their problems. A company that's called Ahava has made millions selling beauty products from this body of water around the world. There are other minerals found there that are far more valuable than those used for skin care. One of the minerals found there is potash. Potash is used for making fertilizer. I'm told there's enough potash available in the Dead Sea to provide fertilizer for the entire world for over 200 years. At the southern end of the Dead Sea, there's a plant that harvests that mineral and ships it around the world. Some years ago, I was speaking at a conference in a small town in the eastern part of North Carolina. I mentioned this in my message, and after it, one of the men who owned a large farm supply business came up to speak with me. He told me he sells that potash to farmers who claim it better than any other they've ever used. He is never able to get enough to supply the man that he has for it. There are other valuable mineral deposits as well. Some of these are necessary in the production of explosives. There's enough of these minerals there for Israel to subdue all of her enemies. Now you can begin to see why other nations would take to, would like to subdue Israel and plunder it to get what they might need. These are very inviting commodities Israel has that could very well cause these other nations to covet them and even go to war to attain them. When we look at the Middle East from another perspective, we're seeing a great change in the country of Turkey, which is one of the many major components of the Battle of Ezekiel 38 and 39. For years, Turkey and Israel had a good relationship. Many Israelis would go to Turkey for their vacations. Now that has all changed. With the advent of a new leader by the name of Erdogan, the country has turned militantly Islamic. He has made statements of how he would like to see Israel defeated, and he has close ties with Russia. Can you get a little idea of the plunder they might desire? We could be much closer to this battle than we might think. Remember, the rapture of the church takes place 
before this battle. Are you ready for the sound of that trumpet? Thus far, we have examined who will be involved in this war. We have seen the purpose of the armies descending on Israel to plunder and to take what Israel has for themselves. We have also noted that this battle, when this battle will take place. Now we need to look at the results of this move against Israel. In Ezekiel 38:16, God makes it very clear he will bring this mighty army against Israel for one purpose. That purpose is defined very clearly so that the nations may know me when I am hallowed in you, O God, before their eyes. God will supernaturally intervene and ultimately get the glory. In the last three verses of chapter 38, God says, I will call for a sword against God throughout all my mountains, says the Lord God. Every man's sword will be against his brother, and I will bring him to judgment with pestilence and bloodshed. I will rain down on him, on his troops, and on the many peoples who are with him, flooding rain, great hailstones, fire and brimstone. Thus I will magnify myself, and I will be known in the eyes of many nations. They shall know that I am the Lord. As I read this, I was once again reminded who was in control of every situation, no matter what we might face in life, and no matter how bad the situation might be. The Lord is still in total control. Let's take a look at how God controls this situation. We have noted that the Lord will divinely intervene in this battle. In chapter 39, we're given more details. Verse 4 says, You shall fall on the mountains of Israel, you and all your troops and the peoples who are with you. I will give you to the birds of prey of every sort. The slaughter of this army will be so great that the Bible says for seven months the house of Israel will be burying them in order to cleanse the land. Indeed, all the people of the land shall be burying them. God's judgment will be so great. Going back to what we've studied today, we see that God is in total control of all things. It is also very clear that the stage is now set for this battle to take place. We also know that it does not happen until after the rapture of the church. It certainly appears that we are so very close to these end-time events. The stage is set for the drama to begin. My question for you is, are you ready for them? Do you know the Lord who will keep his promises? You may face the Lord tomorrow. Will you trust him as your Savior now before it is too late? We hope this week's message was a great blessing to you and that you can apply this message throughout this next week. Here at Canada National Bible Hour, our concerns are to make sure that everyone listening to this broadcast is a true believer in Jesus Christ, and that the Gospel is very clear. 
But God made provision for this, and he sent the best gift he has is Jesus Christ. Jesus became a babe in the manger's virgin born, he went to the cross and thought about you for your sins and took those sins on his own body, that cross paid the death that you needed to pay for your sins, but he took our place that day. If you have faith, if you believe in the Lord Jesus Christ, you will be saved as an act of faith. You need to pray now and ask God to come into your life, pray this sincerely pray he will do that. Also, we want you to write in this month to get the booklet When Is It Right to Die? This booklet covers many of the end-of-life questions, and we wish you to get your copy of this booklet. It is essential for you to read and share with your loved ones. Please write Mission Goar Box 1210 Street Catharines Ontario L2R787 or in the United States a Box 2010 Buffalo New York 14231. You can also hear past broadcasts on our website which is missiongo.org-radio. That's m-i-s-s-i-o-n-go.org-d-a-s-radio. If you do this, you'll be able to get all the broadcasts. Thanks for listening today. We continue blessing on you throughout this next week and please, the Bible teaches that all of us come short of the glory of God. Because of that, we are not eligible to be in God's presence because He is a holy God.